This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Welcome, you're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 106. We are Groot, covering the new comic books we read that came out New Comic Book Day, May 10th. And this particular podcast is strong enough to pull the ears off a of Gundark. <laughs> I am your host, Chris Latore, joined by my trusty crime-fighting sidekick, Chris Stapleton. <laughs> Hi, it's, uh, it's Justin. Uh, I'm a little sick. So yeah, I sound kind of funny. I don't know. I need to see identification. I think um, <laughs> I was saying I was saying the other day that I sound like the guy from Independence Day. Uh, David, David, <laughs> look that up. It really does sound like that. <laughs> so I'm glad you uh, hung in there, Jables. Thank you. I know you're not feeling well, but at least uh, at this point you're not like sick. It's just your it's just your voice. Is... Yeah, I'm not contagious anymore. You're not gonna catch anything. <laughs> Good. Maybe I'll just talk like you too, and we'll just—I'll match you. We'll just keep it good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us here in the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where we recommend to you an amazing list of fresh and tasty, brand new comic books to recommend to you every single week. Please never miss an issue of the Sunspots Comics Podcast just by subscribing to it, and please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and Xbox Live at Sunspots Comics, and also check us out on YouTube, YouTube.com/TofiLat. And if you just want to hear someone talk about new comic books and how much they love them, then uh, you can just tune in. <laughs> <laughs> then this year's Sunspots <laughs> Comics Podcast is for you. Or if you want to jump in, you're brand new, maybe you just uh, just started reading comics and you want to know what to read, then this year's Sunspots Comics Podcast is for you. Or if you've been reading since the universe was, was actually made back then, you've been reading that long, like me, I'm a relic, I'm old. And you just want to know what the best comic books are so you can save some time, save some money, then yes, those three things, all that, is why you should be listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. And please, tell a friend. And also just a couple of thank yous. Of course, thank you to my friend Nick Papa George for making our Sunspots Comics theme song. Please check him out at Facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And also thank you to my son Justin Jables, quote-unquote Chris Stapleton Latori, for his work on our Sunspots Comics blog please check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com and where can they find you on instagram at ju- just sunspots oh geez 
just <laughs> Sunspots. Thank you, of course, for making your name uh, affiliated with us here in the Sunspots Comics realm. And also, it's free comic book time. Are you ready? Yes, I'm going to give out another free comic book. Get ready. Grab your pencils. Get your number two pencils and your Scantrons ready. <laughs> Jam your earbuds just way down deep into your into your ear holes because I'm giving away Moon Knight issue number four. I believe it was a number one pick in the past. You pointed that out. Yeah, I think so. I'm not too sure this particular. I think it was, and uh, I have to look in the archive, but I'm sure it was a number one pick. Because it's written by Jeff Lemire, lovely art by Greg Smallwood, colors by Jordi Belair. I mean, the three, those are the best, the best right there. Um, is it with honors? Is it real? Is it not real? Is Mark Spector out of his gourd? Is is New York actually covered in sand and New York cops are alligators? Uh, alligator people? I mean, who knows? It's all maybe just inside of his head. But the first one to grab this code and go to marvel.com slash redeem wins this free comic book. That is Moon Knight issue number four. So good luck. Here is the code. It is T as in Tom, H as in Henry, M as in Mary, 7, J as in Jasper, W as in Whiskey, 9, U as in Under, U as in Under, H as in Henry, C as in Charlie, V as in Victor. Coming at you flash dial super fast. Get ready. T-H-M-7-J-H-9-U-U-H-C-V. So come and get it. If you win, let us know. Right, Jables? Yeah. Shout us out. We'll shout you out. You know, just so also people don't you know, miss out on losing their code and whatever. Just keep pressing the button over and over and over again. Why doesn't this code work? So just let us know if you want, of course, at Sunspots Comics on all social media or email us, Justin or Chris, at sunspotscomics.com. Just let us know that you won. But there you go. There's a brand new, fresh comic. It's Marvel. It's Moon Knight. It's issue number four. It's Greg Smallwood on art. It's gorgeous. And it's free to you just for listening. So thank you. First one to grab that code will win it. So thank you very much. And follow me on Instagram because at Sunspots Comics, I'll be giving away free Marvel codes from time to time to give you free comic books. So let's jump into the Sunspots Comics podcast issue number 106, starting out with some stuff. That's what that sound effect is. Yes. That's rolling around in our nerd brain. So first thing I have up in there for me is the Comic-Con Revolution in Ontario, California was Saturday, May 13th. But you know, before I go into that, it's Mother's Day. All you mothers out there, thank you for everything that you've done, for being the amazing women that you have been and we know you can be and you know that you are. So happy Mother's Day. I want to dedicate this particular episode, 106, to my mother, Sandra. Hi, Mom. I know you. every now and then you listen to the podcast. And uh, we just wanted to say thank you to our mothers. Hey, Justin, you want to say thank you? Yeah, thank you, uh, Mom, Grandma, all y'alls. Thank you for doing everything you've ever done. Uh, we love you. Um, yeah. Yeah, we love you. And thank you for everything you do. So happy Mother's Day. But uh, Comic-Con Revolution was Saturday, and uh, it was uh, an interesting. It's the first time that the city of Ontario has done a comic book convention. It was overpacked. It was to the gills. Insane. I've already heard that next year they're expanding. It's going to be three days, probably twice the price. Uh, it was 10 bucks for parking. So I thought it was just fair to good. I went with a couple of buddies. Uh, one of them, uh, Mike. Hey, Mike, listener on the show. Mike Norris, how you doing? He uh, saw it a little differently. He brought his son for the first time, and I think he was kind of seeing it through those sort of rose-colored glasses. And also uh, my friend Hugo. Hey, Hugo, how you doing? Shout out. Uh, I think he was really kind of on the hunt for G.I. Joes, and they didn't really have a lot of that. So um, they did have Chris Bocciolo. He was kind of the headliner. 
but I want to see it improve. I thought it was just fair to good, and uh, thank you, Comic-Con Revolution, for inviting me. I know you've uh, felt those, those growing pains. I think it was a, 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 just a bigger turnout than they were expecting. They filled the place, the gills, the aisles were really kind of close and packed together. It was tough just to maneuver around it, but I'm always trying to go to the local Comic-Cons. This was definitely one that... Uh, I know will improve in the future because it was a gigantic turnout and they made a ton of money. But um, I managed to grab uh, some DC out from Eagle Moss, some DC chess pieces for five bucks. So that was like the highlight. I grabbed a ton of those. Um, that was my my. And also, I just recently put out uh, just a shout out to the Guns Ablazin folks, the creators of that. I met the creators of Guns Ablazin, had some great conversations. I just posted something on Instagram. Uh, late yesterday about it, so check that out. But that was my sort of independent comic book highlight was seeing Guns Ablazin. And apparently they're making a pitch. They're they're taking it uh, beyond to try to sell it to is either a TV series or a movie. So good luck to you guys. Guns Ablazin's like a western. It's fun. I haven't finished actually reading it, but I'm sure it's going to probably make next week's podcast. So another nugget of nerd in our nerd lobes. Justin, comic book and movie TV news. Want to start us out? Yeah. Well, uh, I got a couple. Um... Excuse my voice. This is gonna be tough. Um, so the first one is uh, we should start out with like singing a blues song or something. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't have one in my head. I was gonna try. I don't have. A... <laughs> I'm bad to the bone. <laughs> oh my God, that's real good. Um, oh my gosh. Just start talking about your dog and whiskey and, and your <laughs> wife leaving you. It'll be great. Oh my gosh. Okay. So first off, um. The there was two castings in um, for New Mutants, which is a movie coming out from Fox. Um, two cast members have been added. They are from they are Anya Taylor Joy and Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Anya Taylor Joy from Split Whoa. and from um, The Witch and some other stuff. Up and coming actor um, and Maisie Williams, obviously from Game of Thrones fame and uh, whatever. But so Maisie Williams is going to be playing Wolfsbane, which is pretty cool, you know. Um, and then Anya Taylor Joy is going to be playing Magic. Cool. So yeah, um, it, this they actually had a release date too, on April thirteenth, twenty eighteen. There's also rumors too that um, James McAvoy is going to be coming back yeah, as Professor X. Yeah, I mean maybe he's the he's still Professor. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do because you know Fox can't get X Men continuity right. So uh, other than that, uh, director Josh Boone. Um, oh, I think. He did. Um, he did another movie. I, I'd have to look him up. Um, I forget the name of it. Um, anyway, yeah, X Men: New Mutants um, is gonna be coming out pretty soon, April thirteenth, one year. You know, that's crazy. That, I mean, it's already twenty eighteen, April twenty eighteen, that we're gonna see a New Mutants film. And yeah, Josh Boone, we'll have to look up and see what he's done. But uh, good luck to you. I know they're gonna start filming very soon. So very, very cool. What else you got, Jables? Um, next up is the Defenders trailer. Defenders trailer was freaking phenomenal. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, Give us the the gist of it. Why why am I excited? Like I did I did see it and I love that Nirvana was infused yeah. into it. But what what did you really enjoy of it? Um, well, as far as me, just just the I guess the coalescence of all these characters that I've loved. You know, that I just I am so excited to see them all come together. I think one matchup I'm really excited for is just the the Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist. Um, you know, I guess friendship that they have from the the comic books. So I'm excited to see that to come to fruition. Um, I'm also excited to see you know Daredevil come back, and kick some major ass, and maybe even it's teased in there. Spoilers: Elektra might be coming back. Uh, Stick is in there. 
I think just the entire nuance and like this is the Avengers of the the street level superheroes. And I'm just super excited about that. The music was awesome. Come as you are from Nirvana, a little bit slower version. I loved it. Um, you sing that right now. It sounds great. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Come as you are. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, and um, I I think this coming out of Iron Fist, which in my you know opinion on Iron Fist is a little low. Um, coming out of Iron Fist, I think this is going to pick up the opinions of the Marvel Netflix shows and it's really gonna put the faith back into it um, people are a little afraid you know I listened to a lot of reviewers who talked about Iron Fist and Luke Cage that said it was a little disappointing coming off of Jessica Jones and Daredevil which were freaking awesome so I'm excited to see where this is gonna go just to I guess just to solidify the Marvel Cinematic Universe and and really just bring it to that umpteenth level and make it fun and make sure that everybody really enjoys it. Nice. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Thanks for talking me into watching the trailer because you know I'm very anti-trailer, but I gave it a try. I was really happy that I did. I mean, come as you are, but then how they slowed that Nirvana down, like that song at the beginning, and just kind of spliced it in slowly in slow motion form uh, beautifully. And I, I loved when uh, when Iron Fist punched Luke Cage and actually affected him, yeah. right? That was like the highlight of it because they slow motion showed the yellow of his fist just smashing Luke Cage's face. That's also it, that's also a callback to um, Luke Cage, the the show Luke Cage, where Luke Cage gets punched in the face and the, the hand breaks. You remember that? It's the op- it's, yeah, it's, it's it's flipping that on yeah. its head. I mean, that was well done. So yeah, I'm super excited about it. Now jumping into the uh, indie. Uh, comic book news here. My friend Dahmer, which was actually done by a person uh, named Durf, John Durf Backdurf, who was, it's an autobiographical comic book because uh, Durf John, or John Durf Backdurf, which is crazy, I know it's Fred backwards, uh, was an actual sort of high school friend of Jeffrey Dahmer. And they did this in comic book form. They've already filmed this movie. There wasn't anyone that I recognized um, as far as the uh, cast goes, except for um, Anne Hesh, she was the only one in it that plays uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's mom. But I read this very chilling, very realistic graphic novel about um, Jeffrey Dahmer, and it's frightening. It's chilling, and it's strange how at times you're like, "Wow, you're right there, man!" Like, I wish, I wish you could knew the future, and you could just tackle him or throw a bolo around his legs and just, you know, take him in for some. But you know, it's, it's just he's so close to this serial killer. But, you know, they, they knew him as the friendly sort of neighborhood kid that was a little odd and strange. But I'm so glad that they're circulating the movie already in the sort of movie festivals that are out there now. So hopefully soon it's going to be where we can watch it. But that's My Friend Dahmer. Check out the book, the graphic novel. It's like under 10 bucks on Amazon. But uh, did you hear anything about that one, Justin? Uh, I actually haven't. This is the first I've heard of the movie. Um, it's interesting. You know, um, I remember you showing me this, this graphic novel and it was... Uh, it was real creepy. It was also in the, you know, like, in that stage of where I'm, like, sort of starting to like horror movies. So, like, after that, I, like, researched, like, a bunch of serial killers. Like, everybody does that, you know. Yeah. Looking up, you know, Ed Gein and stuff like that. And really just kind of getting into that weird, you know, I guess, a sub-genre of, you know, horror movies where there haven't really been developed of these serial killers. Um, I mean, I'm excited to see it. Anything comic book related being developed is good news. You know, spreading the love and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm real happy to say that. Um, one thing that's not on the docket that I actually wanted to remember, uh, that I just remembered to, to mention, was on Hulu. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, Batman and Bill. Oh, yes. Batman and Bill about um, Bill Finger. 
about how his relationship with uh, with um, oh man, I can't remember his name. Um, why Kane? Oh my gosh, Bob Kane. Oh Jesus. Um, but yeah, so his relationship with Bob Kane and and how um, essentially Bob Kane stole the rights to to Batman. That Bill Finger was actually responsible for creating Batman and creating Gotham and creating Commissioner Gordon and all this stuff. And Bob Kane just gypped him. And he had no recognition and whatever. And, uh, you know, Batman v Superman was the first movie, first piece of anything that actually had Bill Finger's name credited. And I loved that. So this is a movie on Hulu. I haven't seen it yet. I'm actually going to purchase it. I think I want to get it. Um, but it is for sale. And it's on Hulu. You can buy a Blu-ray of it on Amazon. Um, I'm I'm excited to see it. Uh, it's directed by Ton Argot and Sheena M. Joyce, and it's I think it's documentary style. Yeah, it's documentary. Um, yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to see that. You know, I've never heard that story be told, so I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, they announced that about a couple years ago, and I remember wow. seeing it in the comics too. And and a lot of people just giving that hurrah, like when they finally saw, you know, his name in there, Bill Finger. I mean, he, he created the Joker and so many of other of the rogue galleries of characters that, in, in, you know, I think he created Robin, you know, Bill yeah. Finger did. So he finally is getting credit where, where credit was so due for, for him being one of the creators of our, one of the most beloved comic book characters of all time. I mean, really, it's the, you know, the top three, the triumvirate. Yeah. And I mean, it, it speaks also to us as independent creators, you know. Um, this is a man who had his credit stolen from him. You know, us as creators, we want to be recognized, and that's a big deal of, of what we want in life, you know? Not just to make money and whatnot, but, like, to actually be recognized for doing something amazing, and he hadn't, and he died with that, you know? So I'm, I'm happy he's finally going to get his recognition. Yeah, me too. Very happy. And moving on, a couple of things that were just sort of recently sort of teased out. There was an image for a Hulu original series for Marvel, Runaways. And it just shows the cast, which definitely shows us kind of a dysfunctional, angsty teenage cast here. <laughs> so that's all we've seen, but that's coming very soon. That's, yeah, the, the Runaways. And they've just uh, started filming that. So it's, it's really in its just development phase, but they put out an image that you can see of what the team of Runaways looks like. And another one that just got sort of the teaser effect here was that they announced for the Deadpool 2 movie that three other X-Force characters are going to be in Deadpool 2. They really kind of don't show you what it is really yet. It's just, again, kind of a teaser, but they've announced that it's solid, it's done. There are three other characters that are going to be in Deadpool 2, so another one getting teaser treatment. Well, you did hear, you did hear that Cable has uh, been cast, right? Josh Brolin. Oh, I'm excited casting. for that. Perfect casting, right? Yeah, I love that. It's, I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with that. Um, I think he, as far as Josh Brolin, you know, he, he's he can do that, you know, annoyed. Um, I guess not really, like, annoyed, um, but still sort of comedic with Deadpool. He has that. I feel like him and Ryan Reynolds are going to have really good chemistry. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. yeah, me too. Perfect casting, right? And then Inhumans was the last of the ones that received just a, a smidgy little sort of teaser trailer, if you will, but it just shows the planet Earth, and it shows sort of a Black Bolt's sort of symbol there, or the Inhuman symbol, if you will, and maybe that's Terrigen Mist sort of floating over the planet. You're not quite sure, but they, uh, they've they definitely sort of teased that as well, so check that out for the Inhumans teaser trailer. You also know that uh, Ramsey Bolton has been cast. I forget who. I think he might be Black Bolt. He might be Black Bolt. I'm not too sure. 
Ramsey Bolton. I forget his name. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but I, I know him as Ramsey Bolton because I hated him in that freaking Game of Thrones show. Um, but, yeah, he's been cast. Very nice. Well, I think that wraps it up, right? Did you have any other comic book movie or TV news? I don't. Um, no, but I did I did want to talk about um, Guardians, too. Yeah, if that's cool, I mean, if you want to do that. Me and Patsy briefly talked about it, but go ahead and give us your feelings on it. Um, well, uh, I mean, I, I tried to, I guess, like, calm the hype for me as soon as we walked out. I, we saw it together, actually. Um, me, Moises, and you and Patsy. We were sitting separate, but, you know, we were in the same theater, so. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, um, so I tried to kind of cool the hype. Um as far as coming out just to sort of you know calm myself because i do that especially in movies first time i've seen it i walk out and i'm like oh my god that's the best movie ever like I, there's no other movie compared to this this is the best thing i've ever seen oh my god like batman v superman is a prime example like i thought i loved that movie but i see it the second time and i didn't like it as much um so i tried to calm myself this time and like really sort of immerse myself in what i just saw and um i, I mean i loved it i loved the movie i can say that I, I absolutely love the movie. Is it as good as the first one? No. I don't think it's as good as the first one. Nothing can touch the first movie for me. The first movie was perfect. The first movie was perfect. I mean, it, it just has a soft spot in my heart. Like, the music, the, introducing these new characters. Chris Pratt is just phenomenal. Like, I, I, it was just awesome. But Volume 2, really good. Um, I don't have very many complaints, other than there was a little plot holes very small plot holes um i think the main complaint and i guess i can sort of spoil this is not really a spoiler um but spoiler warning it's been two weeks go see the damn movie if you're gonna see the movie um uh but there the one i guess aspect of the movie that i did have a problem with was that in this one it's it it, it wasn't as i guess um adventurous they were they spent a lot of time in one area is what I'll say. I'm not going to spoil too much. Um, they spent a lot of time in one area instead of going around on these romps like they did in the first one. You know, where they, they went to all these different places. They went to Xandar. They went to um, they went to nowhere. They went to, you know, all over the place. And I, I just thought that going into this one, I was expecting more rompiness and just like going all over the place, all over the galaxy. And there was some with certain characters. But I, I that was my main complaint. I think... Uh this was the Star-Lord taking care of daddy issues yeah. sort of movie, you know? Yeah. And I loved it for that. It, 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 it had to resolve that. It's what its theme is, because Guardians of the Galaxy, in my opinion, the theme is family, right? Oh, it's yeah. a ragtag oh, family yeah. thrown together, and they are sort of a bunch of orphans trying to find their way and made their own new family. And this dumb tree, you are my friend. <laughs> and this green whore. <laughs> and this green whore. But I think that they had to sort of, he had to resolve those daddy issues, you know? Yeah, before the and, and, you know, Kurt Russell... It's Kurt Russell. I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Russell's smirk when even when they had you know de-aged him, and uh, which was amazing. I read by the way, uh, people were saying it was actually a lot of practical effects. Yeah, I heard that too. That it was you know just makeup and movie magic and a little bit of timing. They didn't have to sort of CG him fully. I thought that was just amazing. But his smirk, I could watch all day. He could be on a Geico commercial. I don't care. Just to see him do those smirks, I was I was hoping Sylvester Stallone and him would get closer to each other and be like Tango and Cash. But they didn't, you know, get anywhere near each other. But uh, his smirk all day long. I, I absolutely loved. I absolutely loved Kurt Russell in this movie. Um, 
I mean, spoilers, spoilers, I guess. Can I spoil something? It's your yeah. show, man. No, you go ahead. Yeah, it's been... Okay. okay fine. <laughs> spoilers, he is... He is Ego, the living planet. And I mean, he is also sort of the bad guy. I mean, in, in a weird goulash way of this movie. Um, the, the, I, the, I, I totally level with you on the family aspects of this movie. It was an absolute, like heartthrob of a moment when he when he first discovers that he is his dad and I, I i'm i sort of relate to these characters as far as like having a super dysfunctional unconventional family you know where everyone kind of hates each other and whatnot and i mean this, i'm not saying it's like our family you know but we can relate to it you know we have a we have a goulash we are us as latories slash you know my family you know it, it's it we have that sort of dysfunctional. There's a lot of people in our family that aren't related to us. You know, shout out to Daniel. Shout out to you know all those people. Um, Uncle Daniel. I remember he's called. So I totally relate to the you know to that aspect of the movie, and I loved it. It was it was good. Um, the comedy of this movie was bar none awesome. Drax just hits it out of the park, and Drax is one of my favorite. Yeah, Drax is one of my favorite comedic parts of the first one too. And he totally just stole the whole comedic aspect. Um, Michael Rooker as Yondu. Oh my God, tearjerker! That for me is the core of this movie. It's the it's the journey of of Yondu. It's the redemption of Yondu. Right? We see him early. What they paint him as a character is just kind of this. Yeah, he's a he's a douche. He's you know he's a scoundrel. You know that uh, also isn't very bright. Right? Like he just seems to not be the brightest. Uh, you know. A jar in the in the dresser, but he's a uh, he stole the movie. It was really about his his ride to redemption and who is your daddy and who is your father, which you'll understand when you see it. And it was uh, it was heartbreaking and heartwarming, and really it was that redemption story that got me to absolutely love it. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to say it's better than the first one yet because I've seen it twice. I feel like I want to see it again still, which is great. That's that says that's a testament to it that I. Want to see it a third time? And uh, how about you? Do you want to see it three or four times? You want to see it tonight? <laughs> Maybe. We could talk Patsy and see if she wants to do it. But uh, what can we say? Go see the movie. Uh, it's it's glorious. It's beautiful. The colors, the explosions. I remember you did say when the movie was over, you were like, man, that's an awful lot of colors that <laughs> seem to be in your face a bit much. Yeah. And after seeing that, I just still loved it. That didn't knock me down a notch to where I was like, ooh, you know, you're right. That's kind of overly colorful. But, I mean, there were rainbow effects going on and sparkly things, but I still loved it, the coloring. I think uh, one one main aspect of the coloring that that I mentioned was just kind of a little gimmicky was, well, we saw it in IMAX 3D, so, I mean, obviously, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I mean, I'm not, you know, crapping on on the visual aspect of this movie because it was perfect, crystal clear, beautiful. I mean, it's Marvel. You know what do you expect? But um, there was one instance where I was like, "Oh, it's a little gimmicky," and, and I, you know, see, I don't watch a lot of movies in 3D, so this kind of popped out to me. Was when they go to Ego, when they go to the the planet, and Drax like pops like a bubble that's in like the air, and it like spreads out through like the 3D, and I was just kind of like, "Oh, like really?" It's like it's like the the like the the robot like coming through the screen in every 3D movie that we've ever seen. You know what, though? It was uh, a nostalgic moment for me, and I know James Gunn and I are about the same age. He's like 40-something. When I was a kid, they used to sell this weird sort of gelatinous material out of these tubes that was this <laughs> rainbowed colored stuff that you'd put on the... I'm sure it's toxic. 
I'm sure that it was, uh, I shouldn't have been playing with it, but you squirted out this rainbow-colored goo out of this, out of this, this little tube, like a glue tube is what it reminded me of, and you put that on the end of this, like a, you know, like a bubble thing, and you would blow these oh, yeah. crazy rainbow-colored bubbles that never really worked, it just kind of, it was like when you blew, it was like, like a, yeah, it was when you blew a bubble, like, a, of gum, it made about that effect, but it was supposed to be these bubbles, I think, I'm I'm just digging a little into James yeah. Gunn's head. It was just a nostalgic thing to those to that weird colored toxic tube that you squeeze to make these these horrible bubbles that didn't work that well. But yeah, overall overall I loved the movie. Um, my main thought though is that it wasn't as good as the first, but you can't touch the first. The first was just too damn good. But um, yeah, I mean I'm off my soapbox. Um, I want to see the movie again. Uh, Go watch it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. And I'm sorry if I spoiled some stuff. Um, but it is a really good movie, and it's really fun, and you guys will enjoy it. Absolutely. Go see it in IMAX 3D, too. Spend the extra couple of bucks. They're saying that it's 24% more screen stuff going on. I, I remember seeing some weird stat like that. So they've added some stuff for IMAX, uh, or it's just in a wider presentation that shows more stuff. So go see it in IMAX 3D. It's worth the nineteen twenty-five that you pay. Totally. Oh, and there's a ton of Easter eggs. Yeah, uh, go look those up online. You'll see what they all are. It's great. James Gunn is big on that. Yeah, Stan Lee's cameo and the Watchers, etc. Glorious, lovely, amazing. So I think we'll move on from there, right, Jess? Okay. Well, the last thing on our nerd brain is that I'm writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes. I'm writing and coloring and lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing the art. Please check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is beautiful. Thank you, Jordan. And please check out our website, sunspotscomics.com and zombiedestroyers.com, where we posted some sample pages, and you can see what Zombie Destroyers looks like. The comic book that I created out of my brain, which I can't wait to get out there and get to you soon. Just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. Jordan is actually finalizing page 21 and working on this giant two-page splash for page 22 and 23. Uh, very bold design, so... We're, re we're still working it out, and we're hoping that issue one ends around 30 to 32 pages, and we release it sometime in the summer. So I can't wait to get Zombie Destroyers out there. Please check out ZombieDestroyers.com. And also, just a shout-out to our segment called Spotlighting. So if you yourself are, are just getting into comics, you're trying to break into comics, you're a comic book creator... We want to help shine some Sunspots, com Sunspots Comics love to you and support to those struggling creators like myself. So if you have some work, you want to send us like a sample of it. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a writer, an artist, a colorist, a letter. Just send me a link of your work to chris at sunspotscomics.com or message me, of course, on all the social media at Sunspots Comics. And we'll try to set you up with an interview. We can talk here and get people to hear about your comic book work so people can hopefully buy it. And it helps your comic book out. So now on to our favorite part of the podcast, Sunspots Comics Podcast, which is our comic book reviews and recommendations where we pick our favorites of all the comic books that we read for New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, May 10th. And of course, semi-spoiler-ish alert. Ring the spoiler bell, Jables. I can't get that high pitch today. Do it in a soulful way. Ring. <laughs> I can't. Ding 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 ding. I don't know. That just came into my head. Ding 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 ding. Ring. <laughs> well, just so you know, we leave the last couple of pages alone. We try to just cover some of the fun stuff there to really entice you, inspire you, and just talk you into going to a local comic book shop and buying these comic books. So we really kind of don't really spoil them, but just in case, semi-spoilerish light. 
alert. And if you want to see everything that we're reading, everything that we've picked, all of our favorite picks since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on the pull list to see the 148 titles that are currently there that we're reading. And, and it's a lot, I know, but thank God they don't come out every single week. And click, click on talk, top comic, right? <laughs> click on top comic books of the week to see the past top picks. They're right there. I've, every week I update it, compact the website, make it simple, so you can see just this grid of everything that I've read and all the comic books that I've, I've recommended since I started this podcast. So I'm super proud of it. Please check it out. So art winner, Justin. We had two. I had one, and you had one. This week, my art winner, and every week I always like to pick an art winner and a cover artist winner. This week's art winner was Danny Luckert, L-U-C-K-E-R-T, for his beautiful art on Regression Number 1. You have to see this. It's gorgeous. It's from Image. And please, uh, I noticed I was looking for Danny Luckert everywhere on social media. He's not into it. He doesn't do it. But I found his website, dannyluckert.com. That's just D-A-N-N-Y-L-U-C-K-E-R-T.com. And his art is just gorgeous. It's so hyper-realistic. I love that in Regression, his character looks like um, Loki for some reason. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. But also go to Comixology because I really couldn't find this anywhere. I managed to get uh, his other comic called Haunted. And it's on Comixology, uh, art by Danny Luckert. Check out Haunted. He did a like first arc and a second arc of it. It's gorgeous. It's beautifully drawn by him. This strange sort of apocalyptic world that's now just full of ghosts, ultimately. But it is amazing. But Regression, is uh, his art is so disturbing, yet so beautiful. It's just absolutely my pick of art. What was your art winner this week, Justin? Uh, my art pick winner was All-Star Batman number 10, um, art by Raphael Albuquerque. Um, oh my god. The colors for this book were just phenomenal. And he colored it, I think. Um, yeah, he did cover it. Um, anyway, it, it, oh my lord. Um, <laughs> it was just beautiful. I, I was telling you before we started that this this might be, because we're reading all, most of, um, excuse me, we're reading most of, of Batman's right now. Um, this is probably my favorite uh, depiction of Bruce Wayne Batman. Um how they drew him which what what really made it stand out it was the jaw i think it really was the jawline um the jawline and the hair i think was what really tied it in and he, he to me it just in my head you know space my brain this is what bruce looks like to me so i just i really liked it and and um the colors i, I can't mention that enough a lot of purples a lot of yellows um especially in the beginning a lot of yellows um just fantastic uh just the faces, I, I don't I don't know how else to explain how awesome this was. But it was really good. He did Huck. Remember Huck? Oh, yeah, he did do Huck. Yeah, he did Huck, so it has that sort of look. But he does an amazing job with shadowing. How, how yeah. they're just, the lines on their face that are affected by light. His respect to light is just top-notch, legitimate. It's gorgeous. And all of the emotional features, the close-up on the eye lines, right? You yeah. you feel the emotion because they're so detailed, and he also just sort of brings those moments into light when, when light shines upon them and there's like a close-up of their faces. You just feel their emotions. But yeah, Ralph, Ralph he, Albuquerque, fantastic, beautiful. Go look at Huck if you want to see some of his other beautiful work. But I hope he stays on this. I know that, that All-Star Batman's thing is to switch art team a lot. That's just what they do. Yeah. But I hope Raphael Albuquerque sticks with this because it is just, it's glorious. When they're like looking at Miami, right? And the skyline of Miami, yeah. it's just all the colors there are gorgeous. But it, it lives in about 40 different shades of purple. 
But I, I love that he did the art, the pencils, the inks, the colors. He did it all from start to finish. And uh, his his respect to how action is done. Oh, he's jumping out of a out of his out of the Batmobile here, right? Oh yeah, that was just fantastic. The 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 um, like the I guess the 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 speed aspect yes. of it, where like you he's moving real fast towards the like the panel, like towards the reader, and um, it it was just interesting. It was it was an interesting way to like draw that from where he's he's basically flying upward, but he's coming at you. And I love the like the effect on it, and and the Batmobile on the bottom down on the floor, uh, where Alfred's driving. It was it was great. Yeah, maybe my my favorite action sequence, right? Action set panel yeah. this week for sure. And cover art winner. So we like to always pick a cover artist winner. I don't know if you were one in the same with me this week, but I'll pick mine, which was uh, Harrow County issue number twenty three from Tyler Crook. And you can see Tyler Crook's work. Follow him on Instagram at Mr. Tyler Crook. And his covers that he's been doing on the Marvel's uh, Man Thing have been ridiculous. Just out of this world nuts. But Tyler Crook did this set of snakes that's coming out of and crawling over this casket that just seems to be dropped in the dark. I mean, look at that, right? And all the yellow eyes of these diamondback rattlers that are like kind of looking at you. And one has its mouth open with teeth. I mean, this is just horrifying. And his oil coloring, his oil painting style, it's just gorgeous, right? Like, it really brings it to life. So I just absolutely loved it. It was iconic, and it stood out. The striking image of these these rattlers and their yellow eyes just piercing at you. It was, it was something of another world. It was absolutely beautiful. It needs to be a poster. And he just lives in this dark black world and these ultimately sort of yellows that pop out at you. And uh, what did you think of this? Before you tell me what your cover was, what did you think of Tyler Crook's Harrow County 23? Uh, I, I really liked it. I mean, uh, the cover alone speaks for, like, what happens in the story. Um, so I would say, like, you know, when you when you first look at this book, you're kind of like, oh, crap, like, this is creepy, you know? And uh, I don't know too much about this book from what, like, I've read, which is very few. It's a couple issues. Um, but I, I do know the aspect of the story, which is witches and, and stuff. So this is, like... Like what happened to this person? Like there's there's snakes coming out of this person's casket. It was it was pretty crazy. Yeah, even to, that's great. True, good point. That actually kind of tells the story as well as just being a striking, beautiful cover with all these snakes. It does sort of give you a peek into what's happening there. But what was uh, that was so that was my cover artist winner again. That's Tyler Crook. Check him out uh, on Instagram at Mr. Tyler Crook. What did you pick as your cover winner this week? Um, th- this one was a tough one for me. Um, I'll be honest. It was. It went back and forth for me, um, but I think what I, I I'm gonna stick with what my art winner was too, was Raphael Albuquerque's alternate to All Star Batman 10, um, which is it, it's uh, it's it's up one more. It's it's uh, the Alfred and, and Batman in like a kind of like a swamp, with like just these giant gators coming at him. Yeah, with yellow eyes. Yeah, just like Harold County. Um, but it was uh, man, it was to me. I loved this. Just like the, uh, another story aspect where this is Alfred, you know, it's Alfred. It's, it's his most trusted person in this world besides himself because Batman doesn't trust anybody but himself. Um, but it was just Batman and Alfred, you know, in this battle with these crocodiles. Who knows what's going on? I mean, it has nothing really to do with what happens in the comic, but I just loved it. And it was Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah, it does say it's in Miami. Um, but it was Raphael Albuquerque. Um... I would just say that it, it ties in perfectly with the book. Just you know, it has the, the water, faces, the yeah, the water effect on the on the, like in this like swamp. 
like you could see like the movement lines of like these ripples. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, good pick. I, that was my my second. You've talked me into this being my second place or kind of tied for first as far as covers go. But uh, Raphael Albuquerque's uh, alternate cover, variant cover to All Star Batman issue number ten. Go see this. Uh, it is top notch, uh, just like a Harrow County issue twenty three. So those were our art winners. So thank you very much there. And the breakdown this week we bought twenty two comics and eleven of them. So right at the fifty percent mark made it to the great one's recommendation list and that's where i always want to be is right at 50 percent that is always preferred and new number ones there were only four of the 22 comics that we read were number ones and only two of those made it to the two of the four made it to the great list which is super good again 50 percent. so hitting the numbers this week which is great so let's get into the top comic book recommendations this week these are great ones of the greatest list for new comic book day may 10th we consider these the greatest, and you should go to a local comic book sh shop and buy them immediately. So, on to the countdown. Let's get into our 11 favorite comics. So, coming in at number 11 is... Renato Jones, Season 2, Issue 1. <laughs> um, this was a... Uh, this is the first time I've jumped into the series, actually. Um, gave he, yeah, he gave me the breakdown. It also has, like, a little flashback, which I love um, if I'm jumping in. Um, this was... Trippy, man. Um, you you and like these recommendations of trippy comics, man. I don't, I don't. You, you do a good job because I like them a lot. But damn, like, you you give me some brain melters. Um, this uh, he my dad was mentioning when he was when I was reading this. He goes, it, the writer of this. Um, if he's not confusing the shit out of you, um, he's not doing his job. Um, Kare Kyle Andrews is the writer artist and he owns this title he likes to write that and it's apparently um but it was uh it was trippy i i especially liked the art style of this um i was telling you too as i was reading it, i was like this is like is it always black and white and you were like no but it it, it looks good and i was just, so uh it was really good i loved i loved this book um Mostly because of I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I think that added to it. Not me not knowing anything, really actually helped. Um, you get into this character Renato Jones, who um, is sort of, yeah, he's sort of like Green Arrow from the show, where he has this list and he's killing all these billionaires and these corrupt businessmen and and whatnot. And this is sort of uh, a, I guess, a climax of the last season. Yeah, so it starts with a climax and ends with, like, sort of like a, oh, oh, crap moment. Like, okay. And um, there's these ads, these yeah. these weird ads. Um, the first one, it's, it's like, kind of like, it looks like Gucci or, like, yeah, I guess yeah. Gucci. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and so the, the ad is, it, it's called Oligarchs, and it's supposed to be for Cologne. But it says Renato Jones, like Cologne. Oh, yeah, um, and I, I I looked it up and like. And they're and they're uh, I gotta say too I gotta say they're professional ads, right? They have yeah. an actual model and they have a bottle they've created and it looks like legitimate, like Gucci ad and it's ultimately a metaphor and a deeper story behind it. So what did you look up with the word oligarchs? Well, yeah, I mean it, it obviously comes from oligarchy, which is like a form of government. Um, where sort of like the one percent rules the the I guess the kingdom you could say um, but it comes from Greek and uh, it means few 
and uh, also meaning uh, to rule or to command. So uh, I, I read into it a little bit more kind of in my metaphorical brain. And basically you can see in this picture she's wearing like kind of like a old styled clothing um, yeah, where she's she is obviously like an oligarch. She is one of the 1% and it's kind of interesting. And there's another one too at the end of the sh- uh the book, uh, um, I forget what it was. It was. We'll get to that. Yeah, later. but this one's right. The message. What are you getting? I I got from this message was like, buy our perfume and you will be of the one percent. Like that's what they're trying to sell. So it's like a direct reflection upon like if you have the money, you are the one percent and you will rule the world. It's like, and yeah, and then Renato. Yeah, and it's just so it's this bold statement of of power ultimately, right? Of like a sick sort of. Uh, you know, expression of I, I am the one percent because yeah. I buy this uh, oligarchs. And I mean, it, it, it's sort of. I mean, I work at a department store, so I see ads like this all the freaking time, and like, it, it is. This is how ads are for these type of products, and it's sort of, it's sort of kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, not really. I mean, I wouldn't say funny. It's kind of messed up, in a way. Yeah, yeah. It depends. It paints this, this like perfect world. Um, of, of perfume, yeah, it's sort of weird, and and I mean, you see these ads in like magazines and stuff, and so yeah, it, it was just a trippy sort of metaphorical thing that kind of ties into the book. So they go previously on in color, right, and then it goes like back to present day in black and white, and it's very bold, right? It's Frank Miller style, it's three hundred style, it's just, it's yeah, Sin City, and the paneling, it's all over the place. You really don't even know where the lines are. It's like. It's it really makes you go what WTF like you you have to look at this and look at this and look at this to truly understand what's going on the way he has like a minimalist style in black and white to kind of portray the action you have to like look closely and kind of see what's happening right a lot of little details yeah it was a uh, it was sort of like a negative if you've ever taken a picture in negative um, format where like the light is dark and the dark is light it was like they flipped it. Yes, it was like negative art. It was, it was, it was kind of weird. And then there were like these pages where it would just like, it'd be like, I promised you or like you were it or something like that. And it was all black with white font. It was trippy, man. Like this whole comic book had me like, had me saying WTF the whole time. Um, yeah, the, 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 all the lettering was color, but the rest of the comic wasn't. It was interesting. Yeah, if you, I mean, this is like uh, something, it's master class work here. If you want to see something different, something unique, something that's action-packed, but also it's a metaphor, it's a statement of, of our sort of political world today and how the, uh, the the super billionaires rule the world and Renato Jones is there to stop the 1% that are evil. He's not saying all of them are, but he has this list and this list now has pointed him to his sort of childhood sweetheart. And is he going to kill her? Her name is Bliss. He has to decide if uh, he has to follow along the list because he has like a like kind of a stick like trainer, like a daredevil stick sort of like trainer that has told him that Bliss and Bliss's dad is on the list. So that's sort of what's happening here. That's where the last uh, arc ended, which was a, a someone had a bazooka and fired a, a rocket on the roof of where Bliss and her father was, and it's sort of the aftermath of that. But uh, definitely interesting. They they've kicked it up a notch from the first arc, so I am absolutely in. Go check out Renato Jones Season 2 and go get the first one. Like I said, it's bold, it's unique, it's these strange ads. Oh, you want to talk about the last ad, Justin? Just briefly? Oh, yeah. um, so the last one, it was autocracy, which is also another form of government. Um, and I'll read it to you again. Um, system of government which supreme power is concentrated in the hands of one person. And then it has like sort of like a dominatrix 
<laughs> like depicted. You asked for it. Yeah, it's a autocracy. You've asked for it. It's sort of like this hot, you know, model in live, in live yeah live picture. It's a hot model in like yeah dominatrix outfit. And and again, you know, it's sort of another metaphor for like autocracy. You know, being a form of government and whatnot. And so it was interesting. It was it was uh, another weird ad that I thought was just kind of trippy and it makes a statement and and yeah it was, it was interesting very interesting you're not seeing anything like that in comics so check out renato jones like that in chew. yeah maybe know? chew was a little out there but not they now where they hired models yeah. like actual live people so very strange very interesting very bold very unique and like i said on the lines of frank miller definitely doing some some just very interesting different kind of storytelling from mr Karen, what's his name? Karen, Karn, Kyle, Kyle Andrews. I follow him on everything on Instagram too. Just look up his name, Car, K A A R E. That's two A's, K A R E, and you'll find him on everything. But uh, gorgeous, beautiful. So coming in at number ten is Green Valley, in issue number eight of nine. So this is coming to an end soon. This is from Marvel Comics. I mean, not Marvel. This is Image Comics, and it's uh, from uh, Max Landis is writing. Uh, Giuseppe Camancoli, the penciler, coverist, uh, a color artist, uh, also he does everything on it, and he uh, is just his amazing art on Amazing Spider-Man. I always say that, but this is uh, the one character fighting raptors. That was the opening sequence that I loved. What did you think of this this dinosaur death going on here? Yeah, this was. Uh, I mean, it was just action-packed. Like way to jump into this this yeah. this book. Um, these dinosaurs are just attacking like this town, and then like. Like it's just brutal Jurassic Park type stuff, yeah. and and the and then all of a sudden you know you you catch like the one of the like heads gets sliced off, and it's like all right like let's go, sword, right? yeah and and it was a it was a fun yeah he had butts one of the dinosaurs, <laughs> like um, right? yeah and and it was uh, this was an action packed issue, this was action packed, yeah. um not a lot of dialogue you you can read this one pretty quick, um. <laughs> I, I personally I don't really know what's going on in the story. You gotta explain a little bit more. But well, I gave a top uh, notch to the last uh, issue of Green Valley number seven, I think it was, where they had to sort of explain time travel to these people, these crusaders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And so they ultimately it comes to a head here because the Bertwald and his uh, his team that he's gathered here together. Uh, Ralphus, uh, he's told them that you can't mess with the timeline. That the timeline is like this this flashpoint conversation they should have had. You know, in, in CW is the Flash, <laughs> but it's Crusader standing around going, "Imagine that time is this tree, and if you if you break a limb off and try to stick it back on, it'll never go on quite right." It's it's sort of like if you explain to Barry Allen, like, "Dude, like you're you're jacking some stuff up." It's like the Doc Brown uh, scene where he drives, yeah, the whiteboard. This is alternate eight nineteen eighty five, and you know, it was kind of funny. And that's what they did here. And so now, you know, uh, Bertwald went through that whole description of the life tree, and now he's decided that he, because there's this weird, strange guy from the eighties or nineties or something, uh, that is in this strange time machine, uh, who has this weird book of sort of English crusading stories that never really mattered. <laughs> so he picked a place to sort of. A pillage ultimately <laughs> and he's bringing dinosaurs into this time frame because I guess he's figured out that nothing really affects the time frame you know the time space continuum here but it, it convinces uh, Bertwald that once he realized that he could go back in time save their village that was destroyed and his wife 
But, of course, Ralphus is like, you just went through that whole lecture in the last episode, and we're not supposed to mess with the time-space continuum. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. 1.21 Oh, dude. <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> but I just thought, action-packed, dinosaur hunting. He headbutts a dinosaur. There is a, a, a T-Rex that comes through this town, and they're trying to do the best that they can to just stay alive. It has some sort of strange controlling ring around their necks collar if you will that's that he must be controlling them ultimately but it's swords versus dinosaurs it's just action-packed fun and that's why i picked it as my number 10 yeah it was honestly this this didn't have too much story going on in it this was just an action-packed climax uh, he just showed me a, a panel where there is one of the guys is riding a horse with a joust at directly at a t-rex yeah. It, it, yeah, that's pretty glorious. <laughs> that's pretty glorious. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty great. Yeah, um, yeah this is just an action-packed romp um, <clears throat> with some time travel in it. Some stuff like you don't really see. I mean, this sort of reminded me of um, um, what Ferocious Feeding Time. Yeah, A little bit reminded me of that, especially with the dinosaur. Um, but yeah, it was it was real fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was an action-packed fun, fun issue. Yes, check out Green Valley. It's uh, it's beautiful, well drawn, action packed dinosaurs, time travel, swords, and this, this sort of team of crusaders that are, are, have this reputation of saving the day, and they're fighting a dude from the '80s that has some time travel machine. Great, great stuff. Green Valley, go get it. And coming in at number nine is Silver Surfer number eleven um, from Marvel, um, written by Dan Slott, um, and uh, art by oh, written by Dan Slott and Michael. Alred, and color artist by Laura Alred, who is, I'm guessing, Michael's wife, and the cover by Michael and Laura Alred. Um, this was a colorful book. Um, the, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, this is colorful. Um, you were telling me this is a lot like uh, Kirby, Jack Kirby-ness. Um, so this is sort of uh, another romp with Silver Surfer and Dawn. Um, going through just sort of helping people throughout the universe, um, and they while run, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on <laughs> this is while they're on a crazy long galactic date, ultimately. Um, yeah, so they're sort of flying through the galaxy, trying to get Dawn back home because her sister's having a baby. Um, so they run into a couple people, and like he challenges them, and I guess there's like a galactic thing where like, hey, like I challenge you to a fight, and Silver Surfer's just like, nah, and like takes off because he's trying to help Dawn out. Yeah, they're in the middle of this weird war with these bear people fighting, like, wasp people in some weird galaxy where there's, like, honeycombs covering the whole landscape of this of this planet. So strange. So Jack Kirby. He's looking down and, uh, from the heavens upon this particular comic and just smiling is what I felt like. But it is just this strange galactic war they're in the middle of, but they're like, yeah, that's great. We got to go. My, my, sis my twin sister is having a baby. Uh, I got to wrap this up. And it's just it's kind of that hilarious note they play over and over again because the more they try to leave and get out of these strange planets, the more people want to honor them with something. And they're like, we must honor the great Herald, you know, Norn Rad for his wonderful. And they're like, uh, he's like, let's go. They're looking at their watch. They're doing that circle with their fingers. Like, we got to move. We got to go. And then this strange dude sort of comes along that is hell-bent on this mission named Zero to stop Norn Rad and Dawn. Yeah, so he like he like challenges him to like this like a fight. Like he sort of he sort of just like starts, you know, shooting at him. Um and they sort of challenges him and then like I said they like he's just like nah and like takes off. Like hits like light speed and just like guns it. 
And then they go through this super, super Jack Kirby, like, rainbow color swirl. And he's like, hey, man, like, I challenged you. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, so they go into this fight, and they're, they're shooting these great, like, laser beams at each other in this weird galactic spiral. And, and then, ultimately, Nornrad has to play dead here. <laughs> you know, he plays dead, and Dawn has to kind of sell it, and she doesn't sell it too well. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was pretty funny. So she's like, "Oh my god!" Like, no. And then he's like, he like peeks one eye open, and like they're like, "Oh crap!" And they have to like take off again. Um, I knew you were faking it. <laughs> yeah, it was zero. He's like, "I knew you were faking it." What is this? Are you some Jess? Is this a game? My honor is at stake. Fight me, Rad. And it's, and it's this rad color explosion that happens, and they're fighting. And so that's all we're gonna tell you. Will they make it to Earth on time? Do they travel through at light speed through the galaxy? To actually make it to where the baby is born. But then there's also like a major cliffhanger at the end of this. That someone in her family, in Don's family, something's going on. That's all we're going to say. But what a little surprise there at the end. little cliffhanger, major cliffhanger for the next issue. Right? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, I always, I thought it was kind of funny too that she's like dating you know, a chrome dude with like no penis. Like it's kind of funny. Right, but it's it is like they're this. If this were a CW show, it would be this long date, right? <laughs> this very extremely long date, but uh, loved it, glorious. It's like I said, ode to Mister the King, Jack Kirby, and uh, check out Silver Surfer number eleven. It's just so beautifully colored and gorgeous and galactic fantasy space exploration. It's just great. But uh, coming in at number eight is Rock Candy Mountain. This is from Image Comics, issue number two. This is from Kyle Starks and Chris Schweizer. And the thing that had me sort of laughing out loud, by the way, chapter two is called The Bulldogs All Have Rubber Teeth. Because <laughs> that's another thing they, they wish to have uh, the hobos do so they can make it make their way to this, this sort of utopian heaven that they've created in their minds that is Rock Candy Mountain. But what was the, the thing that made you laugh out loud? Which is the same thing that made me laugh out loud. I'm testing you right now. What what kind of what was funny in this that they you discovered there was in this hobo oh, world? Yeah, the, there's like a hobo, hobo fight club. <laughs> yeah, there's like a hobo fight club. Um, so in this issue, um, you you sort of learn you learn a lot more about Jackson, who's the main character hobo guy, who's like sort of on the run from from the law. Why? Yeah, we don't know why. He we learn he's in like a war. Um, it's also, um, what does he call it? They call it, everybody calls him Slim. I don't really know his real name. Um, the guy who, from the first issue, who, like, Jackson sort of takes along with him, um, he's sort of being immersed more into this hobo world, and, um, there's a guy, what is his name? He's, like, he's got, he's always got a chicken on him, (laughs) but they call the chickens Gumps. I I don't understand, but yeah. Um, so they're, like, making, like, a stew weird like stew and then this guy pulls out like a chicken from his like pocket and yeah one thing that i loved about this was my my stepdad mike used to make this thing called slop and uh and it 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 was delicious we we put it over rice it was kind of a chili it was like a weird mixture of things i think my stepdad just whatever we had left over whatever meats yeah corned beef cans of corned beef hash and that's kind of this whole moment here that just feels a little like this strange version of home. But it's like this hobo community that's really like warm and gathering. And, and Slim says, which by the way is the only one wearing blue. So otherwise it's just kind of dirty brown in the whole thing, right? And they gave Slim blue to kind of stand out. But there's this warm kind of family campfire moment where they're throwing everything into this stew. And all Slim has is like a, a, like a half of a 
eaten sandwich. And they're like, that'll do. Throw it in the pot. You know, so it's like they're slop that they're making. They sort of get offended, too. And he's like, you guys don't want this. And they're all like, what? Yeah, we, do. Yeah, we want it. Yeah, throw it in the throw it in the stew, boy. And yeah. And um, so from here, you, uh, Jackson comes back because he was like getting some beers for the, the group. And then they go to this fight club. Like, just sort of like, what are we doing here? And he puts on, Jackson puts on this this disguise. Um, this, like, terrible disguise, too. He's got, like, a sun hat on and a bandana over his face. And, like, a poncho that says dog nuts on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. What is that? It's just, yeah. it's just hilarious that they put those two words together. I mean, great, dog nuts. great writing. And so, yeah, they, they basically go into this, this fight club. And everybody, yeah, there's, like, some crazy tattoos. It says, F Hitler. Um... <laughs> But, uh, so you learn that Jackson's, like, banned from this club. And so they're just kind of like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, he's banned from this club. And Jackson's whole goal is to get this, like, super all-star fighter who's, like, crazy good, who's apparently a really good cat burglar, like, the best in America. And he needs him. We don't know what for, but he needs, he needs him. Yeah, it just adds to the mystery of Jackson. Like, we did get to know a little bit about him, but what is he doing? Like, why is he doing this stuff? And there's this black orchid that runs this underground hobo flight fight club, and she has, like, this strange set of rules that make it all interesting and unique, but he has to disguise himself because he's been banned from it for some reason, but he's not even really there to sort of fight. Like like Justin said, he's there to, to gather this cat burglar guy for something. Yeah. And it's just a great exploration into this strange hobo world and i know it was really based in reality in this uh, professor's exposition that he wrote about hobo world but this is kind of where it makes its own little strange departure into this fight hobo fight club but i just thought it's just so interesting and fun and at times heartwarming and like it's this family gathering like i said with that hobo sludge the slop you know stew but i gotta see where this is going right we're only on issue number two it's interesting it's unique it's the world of hobos, and it's Rock Candy Mountain. And Jackson believes that Rock Candy Mountain is an actual, tangible place. That yeah, you, you sort of you sort of learn a little bit more about it. This issue, um, because Slim's like asking around, and yeah, and so like the devil is chasing Jackson for some reason. We don't really know why yet. Um, but so essentially, what's going on is they're trying to get to Rock Candy Mountain. That's like the essential. Yeah, but then why does he need this cat burglar? Why you know? Yeah. And so they get into like this fight, you know, where he, he Jackson has to sort of work his way up and reveals who he is. <laughs> yeah. But the first the first fight, yeah, the first fight was just phenomenal. He like punches him directly in the nose and then like the blood literally gushes like kill Bill. It was, totally it was hysterical. Yeah. And he goes like make it stop. Like the, the in in the lettering it says T H W S T O P. Make it stop. Yeah, it's, it was funny. Um, I love this this issue. This is probably this might be this might be my favorite issue um, this week. Oh, really? I would say this week. This might be my number one. Um, I, it was definitely better than the first issue. It was right, and for something to the number two to be better than the number one, that speaks volumes. Uh, so get Rock Candy Mountain. Super good stuff. Thank you so much for your glorious writing and art and work. It's just it's beautiful and it's it's hobo world. You gotta love it. And uh, coming up next. Uh, for number seven is Shadows on the Grave. This is from Dark Horse Comics. This is issue number four. And this had like four separate little mini stories in this. And I absolutely loved... There were four total. I loved two and three so much that it, this ranked... If the one and four would have been as amazing, this would have been a much higher pick. But the two and three of this were out of this world. So this is your first time reading Shadows on the Grave, Justin? Yeah, yeah. this is, this is the first time... Um 
It's by Richard Corbin, who you were telling me um, is is an inspiration to Eric Powell, which you're a real big fan of Eric Powell. Yes. Um, so the first one, I don't even really know what the hell happened, but it, it was yeah, like there's there's like this old lady in like this with like a stick, sort of looking like Moses, yeah, with like an eye patch, and like has massive sagging boobs. <laughs> In like the yeah, very in this robe outfit, in this very low cut, strange robe, and it's like like a man's face. But she's the one sort of telling these twisted tales, right? It's very, um, very kind of almost Twilight Zone feeling, right? Where she narrates what's happening here, and the first mini story is like the very first page. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's the very first page. Um, it jumps pretty quick out of that one, um, into into a, a strange. Yeah, it's called cl the clown. I think is what it's called. Um. Essentially, um, it's sort of a murder mystery in a way, in the beginning at least. And then you sort of learn that there's this trippy, like, weird thing following this main character. Which is a clown. Which is like, yeah. Who's, who's afraid of clowns? I mean, right? Yeah, everyone. everyone is. Well, the, the imagery they designed for this clown that just sort of shows up. Is uh, something unique. It's very slender, very like Slender Man yeah. on the side of that with a clown outfit. It's almost like it's a scarecrow. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily alive, but and there's yeah, this. You don't know. You don't know if this thing is alive or if it's like a hallucination. That's initially what I thought was. This, it's this guy's tripping out, but apparently it's chasing after him, and um, I, I don't really want to spoil it too much, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, short. yeah it's real short. It's like two or three pages long. It's it's real short. My favorite one though. Was the third one? That was my favorite one, which was um, it's called Flex, um, and it's sort of a story, like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, Lou Ferrigno. If you've ever seen um, Pumping Iron, which is a great movie, um, where Lou Ferrigno and or yeah, Lou Ferrigno and most of the bodybuilders are sort of just chasing after Arnold because he wins all the time. And so there's one in his name. Oh my God, it's Gunter Schwartzman. Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Gunter Schwarzenegger, like it was crazy. Um, he even looks like him. Right. But so, essentially, this this other bodybuilder um, who keeps losing is down on his dumps and is like walking through a dark alley and is offered like this serum to like help him become even huger, you know, to beat Gunter. And we have to uh, just pay homage to Richard Corbin's art here. Uh, I recently went and grabbed his Bigfoot run that was written um, by, uh, by the, anyway, I'll remember here in a second it was written by, but go look up Richard Corbin's Bigfoot. It was nuts. It's out of this world, uh, definitely rated R. He's a mostly writes in black, or draws in black and white, and all of these sort of shadows, and it's just uh, so many little details of each line on his face. Um, but it's, um, it's, oh, Rob Zombie was the one who wrote uh, the Bigfoot series and drawn by Richard Corbin. But uh, this this uh, black and white, beautiful layout here where this guy is, 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 is talking to this strange, you know, hooded figure that's trying to sort of give him this serum, right? And then it just turns horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, um, oh, I can't really spoil it, but so essentially... This person isn't who you think it is, and he uh, made a deal. Yeah, there you go. I guess he make he made a deal with this other bodybuilder, and uh, it doesn't turn out the way he, uh, anybody really expected it to. It doesn't turn out in his favor at all. So, um, interesting, interesting little take on sort of like the devil went down to Georgia type thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, mixed with Lou Ferrigno and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was, it was interesting. Reminds me a lot of um, that book by Eric Powell. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, where it's just mini stories. Yeah. Um, it, it was great. Uh, I loved it. Uh, the third one oh, is yes, it's like Spook House. Yeah. yeah. Um, the third, uh, the fourth. Yeah. yeah, the fourth. The fourth one was an ongoing one, which I thought was just kind of, kind of nuts. Like it, it, it's <laughs> sort of um, it's sort of like an Egypt type era, or maybe not Egypt. It, it's sort of like Greece. Um, and essentially, it's it follows like I think it's Demetrius or something. Mm-hmm. It's some dude, and he's basically like a like a monster slayer. I think what the overall sort of point of this of the entire comic is this this underlying morality code, right? Yeah. That's what this narrator keeps talking about: is people that sort of defy this overall moral code and pay the price dearly. Well, the last series is just sort of about betrayal, right? Yeah. And it's and it's ongoing though. It's the only one that's ongoing is the fourth and final little mini story. And that's it, it actually uh, the first two were okay. The third one was better. This is the best of the four parts I've seen so far of this, but it's ultimately the story of betrayal, following that uh, Greek-like um, character. So, but the two and three, like like you got to look at them. The clown series, it'll stay in your mind. It'll the image of that strange clown that looks like a cross between a scarecrow and the Slender Man. It's on the cover. Uh, it's frightening. You'll remember it. It really kind of uh, it wigs you out a little. But man, the black and white art from Richard Corbin is uh, stuff of legend. It's really, really gorgeous. So coming in next at uh, number six from Detective Comics, issue number 956 from DC Comics. This is Batman, of course, Detective Comics, issue number 956. This is written by James Tinney in the fourth and art by Mr. Takara. And uh, this is... Uh Where's his first name? I don't know. Yeah, it's at the end. Couldn't find it actually. Yeah, it's probably at the very end. Yeah. Takara. But here we go again. Kind of a continuation story with Cassandra, the orphan, and it's orphan time here. So remember where we left off last? Yeah, the whole. She's not alone. I'm not um, alone. Yeah, she's so. Uh, orphan. Or, orphan alone. sort of challenges her mom to like a fight. Um, yeah, her mom Shiva to this fight, and we know how badass Shiva is. So we're all kind of like everybody's got to take her on, and then eventually she like throws in like this, this like sort of harbinger where she's like, she's she activates like a nuke, you know, that could take down um, Gotham. So basically, it's this badass fight between Batman, Orphan, and Shiva. Um, Bat Batwoman gets kind of injured, and so Batwing and Azrael have to go defuse this bomb, and it is just. It, it's an action-packed issue, um, and oh yeah, the the Clayface Clayface is probably my favorite character in this. Um, he sort of saves, um, Ka- uh, what's her? Uh, I can't remember her name. Catherine, Catherine, um, Catherine Kane. Yes, yeah, so, um, or yeah, yeah. Ka- is it Catherine Kane or Cassandra? Yeah, there's Cassandra Kane and Catherine Kane. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, she she's injured. So Clayface is like taking her out. And he, like, kind of absorbs her into, like, his, like, weird mushiness. And they turn into, like, ninjas to, like, sneak out. That was really that was really fun, right? Just a little moment where he's like, this is going to get weird, too. So I'm really sorry yeah. if this gets really weird. But I'm going to kind of put you into me. And then <laughs> we're going to be ninjas. Yeah. But I thought, that's great. But this is just action-packed. This is uh, running on all cylinders. This is, like... Um, it's it is tough if you're just jumping into this issue for the for like the first time, but jump back a few in Detective and Batman. But um, this is kind of the league, this is kind of the the, the top of the, the precipice of this uh, of this ongoing League of Shadows versus the Bat Family 
Like this is kind of where it where it it also introduces another aspect. I can't. I don't want to spoil it. Another aspect of sort of what's happening next, right? And what yeah. they what they really sort of uncover the true sort of meaning of what the League of Shadows is trying to do here. And we also have uh, we have Batwoman's father, uh, General Kane, Colonel yeah, Kane, who is uh, running this strange uh, Bat Corporation uh, militant group on the side that also has some other sort of plans. And he has like this evil sort of hacker. The evil hacker guy that sort of yeah. created this bomb. He's like, oh, by the way, I created a bomb. We're going to blow up the whole city. And he's like, what? Like, I don't want all these innocents to be killed. Yeah, and so you, that's an interesting character, too, that they're just basically sprinkling in. Is Ulysses yeah. is his name? Yeah. This strange killer hacker that can just make a nuke all of yeah. a sudden. <laughs> he, he stole the Robin suit, like I think, in the past issue. He, like, just decided, yeah, I'm going to steal the Robin suit and, like, wear it. And, um, and yeah, he, like, deconstructs it. Um, so essentially, um, obviously, Batman and Cassandra Kane come out on top of this fight. But from there, it's it, it's a it's a new storyline. Um, Ra's al Ghul is involved. Batman has sort of been deceived, which is like strange because Batman never gets nothing ever goes over. Nothing flies over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. Um, so yeah. Um, Batman's sort of been deceived, so from here, it's going to be more on that storyline. They're just trying to figure out what the hell Ra's al Ghul did that sort of deceived him. And it's going to be... I'm going to continue reading this. This is, this is good. Um, I jumped in at the beginning of the storyline, and so to read the full thing, to to see it come into the end, was, uh, was kind of cool. You get that resolution with Cassandra Kane and you get that resolution with Shiva and, and whatnot. It was... a uh, it was interesting. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, written well to where it's not really an ending. It's like a new beginning. And yeah. they sort of nicely tailored that, James Tinney and the fourth, to just uh, sort of nicely position themselves for a great new arc. So still in, still hanging on to detectives, still on the pull list. And I will, we will continue to be. It's just been really good. It's been a lot of fun. It's action-packed. It's, I, I, I do want Batman to gadget up a little. You know, I, I would still like that. I know it's all in the family, but let's uh, let's throw some gadgets in there, Tinny, and let's get some some cool bat stuff. That's my my only request. So coming in at number five is Justin's favorite overall comic. He claimed on a previous yeah. podcast just recently. The uh, number five pick of the week is Allies, issue number four. This is from Bubble Comics, and this is of course the uh, the Russian team or the Ukrainian team, I think they are, of writer Natalia Devova and artist Alina Arofiva, which we love and is one of your favorites, absolutely, and one of mine too. But um, I loved about this issue was it was more of that the family is uh, their ultimate ragtag family of these assassins. Are now they're on the run from uh, which now we found out the organization they're running from that Holt guy may have special powers, but this is like them finding a home base yeah. and sort of establishing the characters a little bit more and develop developing them out a little bit. I thought it was a great character development piece. What'd you think? Yeah, um, you know what's kind of interesting is every issue of this has sort of um, backed you know back back and forth. I guess you could say of um, Nika. Yeah, of Nika and, and, and Johnny, and so it kind of flips Rodriguez. back and forth. Yeah, and Jesse Rodriguez. Um, But it flips back and forth from, like, having an action-packed, like, trippy story and then having a character development uh, issue. So I, I, I sort of like what they're doing because last issue was, like, crazy action-packed. Um, real fun, real fun issue last issue. But this one, again, it slows it down a little bit. 
Um, Remember this letter? You mentioned that. There's a cool part here at, at the beginning where Jesse just writes us like a sort of previously on, but they did it a little differently. Instead of it just being a previously on, they gave it sort of from the perspective of Jesse and breaking down sort of what's happened, but adding in some great humor into this, yeah. right? I thought, man, for... You know, they, they, whoever uh, did the translating it to English, I think, did a really super good job at uh, making this really interesting and funny. Because when I see five paragraphs on page one of a comic, my eyes automatically do roll into my head a little bit on accident. It's just a, it's a reflex because, uh, you know, I read comics to just, you know, read five or six pages on each panel or, or words. This is like, oh, my gosh, this is five paragraphs. But it was written so well and just made me laugh like five times. Yeah, we don't read books here. Um, we read comic books. Um, anyway, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a cool little, uh, the way, the way Jesse talks is always kind of like, just been funny. She talks like Deadpool. Yeah, she talks, she talks like, like a Mexican Deadpool. Yeah, she calls a lot of people Chica and like, you know, hombre and stuff like that, which I think is kind of funny. Um, because these, the writers are, you know, Ukrainian. So I I think it's kind of interesting. They have a Mexican, um, character, but this is, this is. This story of this issue, um, it's more about the team sort of relocating. Like they're 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 like on the run, so now they're kind of trying to find a place that's safe for them to stay. Everyone's just injured, everyone's messed up, so everyone's kind of like pitching in as much as they possibly can. And um, this was uh, another great character piece into Jesse, Johnny, and Nika. Um, Especially, especially Nika. Um, you learn some interesting stuff. And Johnny, too, actually. I guess you could say that those were the two main focus. Um, they find this, like, bunker. This cool, like, Arctic bunker. That was, like, like it's, like, a couple... It's apparently miles below sea level on this, like, ice, you know, frozen frozen ocean. And so they're there, and, you know, they're, they're sort of... They got their wings set up. And they don't really know what to do now. They're sort of stranded. Like, they're stuck in this place. And they don't know... They don't know how long they're going to be there. And so, from here on, I don't I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so... This did a... a I think, I think uh, we have to care about characters, right? They don't have the given that they're using licensed characters. So, they're developing these characters to where we're going to care about them. Ultimately, so I didn't think anyone was th- was a throwaway character here, right? They're they're developing them all, telling backstories of them all, and you're getting interested in them all of all these sort of these assassins, this sort of this black ops team. Ultimately, yeah, the, yeah the, a black ops team, a black ops team whose government or whose organization has fallen. It's like if James Bond's organization, MI6, like just collapsed. They're sort of like stranded. They have no backup. They're sort of on their own. So they find home base, and now it's a very kind of realistic glimpse of like, if a if a black ops team you know was able to create this diversion and and free their friends, then what? You know, it's yeah. like a very realistic approach on a then what? Well, we got everyone out. Are they going to still chase us? Now the this guy Holt could very well have these sort of like lightning abilities or something that you're seeing. So they're just regrouping. They're trying to figure things out, but it's a great team development you know ragtag family moment there's a lot of sort of tense moments between them there's a lot of funny moments between them but the key aspect for me the key element part of this story was nika having her legs been taken off she's still having those ghost pains and she's also trying to strengthen herself by by climbing stairs 
with her hands, remember? And that was just kind of heartbreaking and she's she's really giving it her all and she just doesn't want any help and you know, but then she does also show us like it didn't just do that one thing where they go, Leave me alone. I you know, yeah. I gotta do this. She like actually has a conversation with someone yeah. that's there to help her and they have like a warm moment. So it's complex, it's family, it's it's a mixture of emotions and feelings, but great the best character development piece this week by far. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, up next is All Star Batman number ten at number four. Um, All Star Batman number ten, written by um, Scott Snyder and art by Javier Albuquerque, um, who is my art wi- art winner of this week by far, uh, and my cover art winner. But yeah, alternate cover. Yeah. Um, so in this one, uh, you sort of get like a narration from Alfred um, in the beginning and, and you don't really know who we're following in this beginning chase scene um, yeah masked teenager you kind of think maybe it's Bruce you know in his early days of Batman tude um, so in this like vo- in this narration you sort of get like uh, Alfred talking about how Batman like is his son yeah. um, really heartwarming stuff um, every instance yeah yeah, and so uh, every instance he references Bruce, it's my son. Yeah, it's very heartwarming. Um, so you jump back after this to Batman chasing Hush, right? Yeah. It was Hush. So he's chasing Hush. Alfred's driving the Batmobile, and Batman's like, "All right, like, get ready." And like, you know, Hush is shooting at him from this helicopter, and they're chasing him. And they're they're in Miami, by the way. Um, they come up on like the stadium. I, I think it's like Marlin Stadium, where the where the uh, the baseball team plays for, for whoever they they have different names, but um, yeah, the Gotham Knights are gonna play, and the Miami Marlins. That's what it was. It was Marlins. Um, so yeah, the, the it's basically they come up on the stadium as the game's about to start, where the national anthem is being sung, and they're 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 sort of surprised when Hush flies in, and is like they're like oh, and then then this kid's kind of like wait look, like no way, and then Batman comes through like. Like the rafters, like underneath the stadium, and like jumps out of the. Everyone like goes nuts in the Batmobile, and like you know, the, I would freak out. This is like me, you know. And so he, he he's trying to get hush, and like the the national anthem is still like being sung, and it's like everyone's getting pumped, and then Batman like shoots out of the Batmobile, and like grabs this helicopter and and brings hush in. Um, it was this is probably the most exciting opening to a Batman book I've had, you know, read in a while amazing right i mean just pumps you up it's adrenaline pumping and i mean i love that like you you actually said this earlier was that like they love batman yeah. right does that mean like ah, everyone's cheering and they love batman and which he's like is, which is like it, it's sort of it's sort of different you know not a lot of people like batman originally or he's like unknown you know now everybody loves him he's like a hero and it's kind of cool what we're saying is batman's moving to miami i mean yeah. he's uh, he's you know gotham kind of hates him at times or whatever and the city's kind of chasing him uh, Miami loves the crap out of some Batman, so I think he's gonna he's gonna retire there soon, or just pick up camp and move to Miami. But yeah, I mean he flies out of the Batmobile towards a helicopter that Hush is shooting a machine gun at, and that's just kind of where things start. And then there's like sort of this: Are they going to torture Hush? Moment, and and I love their little conversation and a cool thing that they do to get some information out of them that kind of crosses a line but doesn't. And I thought that was re- I want to blow it right, but. Wasn't that very cool? Like that surprised me. Yeah, it was. Um, you don't really see that from these characters. Um, it's a little, it's a little out of form 
as far as like what I kind of think, you know, this this sort of character would do, you know. But um, they sort of level with each other after this, you know, Batman and, and Alfred have this conversation, and um, the art here is fantastic, like the the city scape like where the silhouettes of batman and alfred are going through real interesting yeah like i said all the hues of purple are just nuts it just screams this is a batman comic in miami with all the sort of neon that happens it's just it's just a great clash of of colors and i love the the heartwarming aspect of alfred considering bruce a son and just their conversations that they have and that flashback that they referenced earlier you know, who is it? Is it Bruce? You don't really see. There's a symbol on the wall that has some significance. What is this symbol for? Alfred. To, don't know. Right. So it's definitely set up an interesting mystery here. He's going to have to put his detective cowl on and figure this out. But uh, I like that he's outside of the norm. He's outside of Gotham. He's in Miami. And beautiful art by Raphael Albuquerque. And uh, I just I dig him being in Miami and chasing Hush and now this weird symbol and what's going to happen there and it has to do with i think uh alfred's past or something i wouldn't want to spoil it all but just glorious i mean cover and art uh, i love this absolutely loved it yeah um i'm i'm interested to see where what we're gonna learn more about alfred we don't know too much about alfred i mean we know he's the he's the butler of batman you know nobody ever really dives too much into that but the connection of alfred and batman is something that we've always loved and we don't realize that we love, you know, because you watch you watch all the Batman movies and you see that that relationship where he's like this estranged father, you know, and and Alfred doesn't really know what to do with that when when he's out and and being Batman, you know, he worries about him obviously, even in the movies, and so this is gonna be an interesting ride to see more about Alfred and to 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 explore his past a little bit more because. You learn something at the end of this book. Yeah, it's like a father-son story in Batman that we we didn't know we wanted, you know, yeah. and here it is. But uh, go check it out. All-Star Batman has been top-notch. It does have a different art team, I think, in each and every issue or one or two issues. So I'm going to miss Mr. Albuquerque, but I hope he comes back, whatever that situation is. But All-Star Batman issue number 10 is our number four pick of the week easily. So here we go now. We're into the top three picks of the week. And coming in number three in disturbing fashion is Regression, issue number one from Image Comics. This is written by the writer of Harrow County, Colin Bunn. Art by my personal art win winner pick here, Danny Luckert. Again, dannyluckert.com and colored by Marie Enger. But this, I read this in the Image Plus magazine months ago before this was released to come out. And I was interested in this because they had this panel where this young man is sitting there looking at a mirror and his body is a cricket. So it was a kind of a strange... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of a strange, weird dream sequence, which I'm not a big fan of dream sequences a lot, but if there's any medium of that dream sequences work, it's comics. Yeah. Really. And they did some weird stuff here, but this is a tale of a man that in his consciousness, he sees some very horrific, uh, gory things in his life. And he is also, though, aware that he has this issue and... He decides to actually try to help himself. And he even has a friend. Like, this is like, I like the way it's very realistically drawn here and, and also portrayed and story wise. And that, like, if someone had this sort of de debilitating visions that seem so realistic of like insects and bugs flying out of this, this carcass, ultimately, 
Like, how would someone handle that? And that's kind of handled in a sort of realistic way. Like, if you're schizophrenic, like, what do you do? You reach out to your family, your friends. He's sort of trying to help himself. What did you th initially think of Regression? It was, uh, this was a weird book. Um, this, uh, this sort of dove, I would say, into mental health. Um, a lot of, a lot of mental health issues. Um, us, as a family, we hadn't, well, you had your aunt, my great aunt, um, who had schizophrenia. Um, I, my grandma tells some stories here and there when, when, you know, she experienced a lot of this stuff. Um, so you catch this guy at like a barbecue and he's tripping out, you know, he's freaking himself out because he's seeing all these like horrifying, you know, hallucinations and he sort of admits it later on because he winds up like throwing up because he's like grossed out. Um, one of his friends, um, who's a redheaded girl, I can't remember her name. Um, she sort of offers him some help, you know, offers him, he says, Hey, there's a guy who I know, um, he'll help you out. You know, maybe he can figure out what's going on and, and whatnot. So he sort of is apprehensive for a little bit and then agrees. And you, it turns out this guy is a hypnotist. <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, you know, this is, like I said, this is kind of what, what you do when you have a, a, a this kind of debilitating mental disorder you you know hopefully you seek some help some people don't but this guy does and he has this this friend which so gloriously written I, the reason i selected uh him as my my art pin, pick winner of the week again was for his emotions on the faces he has to do just about every emotion here from physically ill to scared to sort of happy to apprehensive as you said to take the advice of a friend like there's every single emotion she's upset she's just trying to help him confusion it's amazing it's a it's a workshop of emotions on the face for comic book artists it's just glorious and so yes they go to this sort of hypnotist guy who says he specializes in regression therapy and he has a realistic approach too to try to help him. Like let's let's try it out slowly, and we'll do a, a hip, you know hypnotizing session and see where we can go with that. And and the look of skepticism on his face, right? Like of the main character here. Yeah. But she like holds his hand and says like, look, we can we can try to help you here. I mean, what other option do you have? Check you into a mental ward, right? Yeah. Um, it was um, in, in my in my head, I was like, okay, from here. Where do you go? Like, if you have this sort of mental issue, like, what do you do? I wouldn't want to go to a mental institution. So, he goes to seek this help from this kind of weird dude. He's at, like, a comedy club doing a hypnotist bit. Um, but so, he does this, like, this session, and he doesn't... You see this trippy panel, super trippy panel, where, like, he he's, like, torn between two people. And what I see from here, what's going to happen is, like, a... A dual personality stuff. Um, I don't want to get too much into what's going to happen next because from here it just gets even more trippy. Um, he doesn't really remember the session and then he goes home. Yeah, he goes home and falls asleep, but something happens. So, yes, I think there's a duality there of like light and dark, and there's maybe this evil side of him, maybe on a little bit of a like Moon Knight, maybe Mark Spector sort of thing. Has he got a dual personality? Is this an actual person? Because there is someone that's introduced here that's just frightening, uh, nightmarish. And this is not for the weak of heart. This is definitely a disturbing, frighteningly beautiful comic book, though. 
and something a little different, like I said, in this area of this guy having these visions, etc. But it really kind of disturbed me, and I thought, wow, this emotionally affected me, so high marks, and that's why it's the number two pick of the week, or three pick of the week, is Regression, issue number one. Go check it out. It is, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, it's disturbing, it's frightening, uh, it's strange and weird and different, and also sometimes very realistic. Topped off with top-notch, go top gorgeous, beautiful art. And uh, coming in at number two is Harrow County, issue number 20. Three. And this is, of course, from the same writer of Regression, Colin Bunn, and art by Tyler Crook, who is my art cover pick, again, with the snakes, the diamond heads, the, the yellow eyes, and the, yeah, the cotton mouths, and the, 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 they're coming out of this, this casket, which is just frightening, and it's haunting, and beautiful, but this, to me, is that sister versus sister witch fight here, ultimately, the, the two that are best friends in this town, in Harrow County, two sides of the fence here. One sort of trying to destroy the haints, that these haunted creatures that are in Harrow County, and one that is uh, trying to sort of live with them in peace are now conflicting. You have, you have Emmy and Bernice that are now, uh, you know, enemies when they were really the, you know, Bernice was the only friend that Emmy had, and... This t town is at a funeral in this opening opening sequence. And what did you think of this funeral sequence here? Uh, this was this was messed up, man. Um, it, it's I think her name was Lovey. Yeah, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Lovely, Lovely, Lady Lovely. Um, so I'm guessing everybody in this town thought she was a witch. Um, she is being buried, and this priest guy is just sort of being a douche. Like he basically is like I've buried evil people before. And, and he just kind of goes through the motions and sort of isolates Bernice, saying that this will never, she'll never be put to rest if somebody is forever mourning her. And then, like, everybody turns and looks at her. Um, yeah, and so um, from here, you sort, of, you sort of empathize with her, and he gives this, like, messed up speech, and somebody, like, spits on her grave. Um... So from here, it's sort of like she's trying to, she's trying to get people to like she wasn't a bad person, you know, and then you didn't know her like I knew her, blah blah blah. All of a sudden, like people start screaming, and then there's a crap ton of snakes coming towards his grave. <laughs> yeah, they're like coincidence, or he was like, you know, hell and damnation and fire, and you know, this is below the Bible Belt and whatnot, and he's like, you know, hell, damnation, fire, and let's burn this woman from ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Uh oh, snakes! <laughs> yeah. He was like, "Oh my gosh, here they come!" Like, yeah, he shouldn't have spewed all that venom at her, literally, because the uh, you know venom came back. <laughs> but yeah, this this uh, she finds a way, and it's a neat, kind of cool, visually stunning kind of way that she ends up uh, distracting these uh, snakes, if you will. But they are still going to be a factor because they're loose in Harrow County. So. It's now Bernice's job. She was kind of the Padawan. She was the witch in training to Lady Lovely. And now it's up to Bernice to get those strange magical jars and put the snakes in the jars somehow. But there are people under attack here. And it's kind of like Bernice and, and Emmy team up here. You know, they're like the Wonder Twins here. And they activate to help each other to fight these these crazy snakes. Yeah, and then there's there's a there's a part where like the priest is like about to get bitten by a snake, and you're kind of like, like, yeah, get him, get him. Get him. Um, so from here, you you sort of have a conflicting uh, conflicting viewpoint conversation between yes. Bernice and Emmy, um, and you sort of learn you sort of learn the pros and the cons of like what what's going on, what each person wants, um, and from here. 
you obviously get people like are sort of sort of not really afraid but they don't they don't like Britney's and Emmy you know what I mean they're not really fans of them they're, they're sort of afraid of them and so Bernice goes back to Lady Lovely's house and finds that literally like almost the entire funeral that was there is at Lady Lovely's house paying their respects yeah. which I thought was crazy and the guy that spit on spit on her grave is there saying like yeah she was a good lady like we're paying our respects because even before all this crap happened she was a good lady I felt didn't you that like because <laughs> because a lot of these people were being hypocritical they were all giving those those you know frowning faces, but they're putting on a show for the pastor. Yeah. Like maybe he has some power in that town, right? Like a lot of these, I would imagine, southern towns back in those days, they were kind of run a lot by a pastor. And if you did the pastor wrong, you'd have trouble in this town. So they all sort of let the sort of the bashing of Lady Lovely's funeral to pass, and then they paid respect at her home. I thought that was a moving, really touching moment that affected me. You know that people. Uh, that passed away and you, they were paying their respects and saying, you know, there were other stories that we remember of Lady Lovely. And it was, yeah, leaving the jars on her on her doorstep, which she is uh, used to catching those those snakes. It has some sort of um, smell there that kind of puts the snakes to sleep and then they trap them in these bottles, in these jars. But uh, I just thought, man, what a great little epic sequence from the landscape here, from the beautiful art, of course, the Tyler Crook constantly with his art, his it's that watercoloring style I continually, continually love. But this is just a great. You said it best, actually. It's the it's that fork in the road between this friendship on two sides of the fence, two different ideas here, which is, you know, she's trying to live in Harrow County with the Haints in peace. That's Emmy, who is born of this witch's blood, if you will, and Mer Bernice trying to be the sort of other side of the witch side which is to eliminate these haunts hants or whatever they're called in the, in the town in Harrow County so it's sort of sad in a way too that they were best friends and they've always been there for each other but now they can't they're they're more and more that it's going on last two or three issues the clearer that line of divide has become and it's kind of sad in a way but that's why it's my number two pick of the week and I love it and you should go back and read some more of Harrow yeah. County to go back I've, I've made a point to reread a few of them. And there's always an extra bonus nugget page at the end of it, which you have to read. It's a creepy little story. That's all I'm going to really tell you. It's a creepy little story. They always put a single sort of unrelated sometimes, but related sometimes single page at the end, which is always enjoyable. Just creepy and enjoyable. But the number one comic this week. Maybe we did uh, disagree at a different sort of number one pick. You said it was going to be uh, uh, Rock, Candy. Uh, Rock Candy Mountain. But for me, it was... The free comic book day comic, I Hate Image, from Image Comics. And this is uh, drawn uh, lovingly by Scotty Young, who, uh, if you look at his art, you've seen it before. It's He's done a ton of Marvel covers. They always baby eyes the Marvel Universe and let Scotty Young draw it. That's his thing. And they're always sort of uh, angsty, sort of pissed off Marvel characters. Well, that's what the... Ultimately, the I Hate Fairyland is derived from this story. It's got our, our, our character Gertie here, Gertrude, that is hell-bent on finding her way to the top of the Image Mountain, right? Which is the room which is the room of partners that have created Image from Wills Portacio to Mark Silvestri, Todd McFarlane, 
and Robert Kirkman sitting in a room. Eric Stevenson is the other one, right? But this is very much inside image. So ultimately, Gertrude hates Fairyland and she also hates image. And she (laughs) she wants to get out of Fairyland. And this is designed for her to ultimately have a interaction with just about everyone that's popular in the image world. I laughed 42 times at this comic. What did you think of it, Justin? It was uh, this was this was a fun book to read. I'm not gonna lie. Um, this was a Easter egg filled comic <laughs> book. I mean, yeah. everybody. I mean, for the most part, you know, there's some there's some obscure books in here that you th- you thrown in. Like there's the Lion Cat right. from freaking Saga. Saga. Yeah. Um, there's like you know uh, you you the get will. yeah the will. Um, you you get so many different characters, and essentially it's just like. Her killing him, you know, and you get my favorite. My favorite, like two pages, is the Walking Dead one. It was great. So that there's the first words that you get because she meets, uh, she meets Rick and Carl and Michonne, and Rick goes, "Who the f are you?" Like Carl, if she moves, Carl, shoot her in the brain, Carl. And then Carl says, "He likes saying my name." And yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Um. It was just it was hysterical. The way the way Rick's holding his gun is hysterical because that's how he holds it in the in the show. It's always bugged me. Um, so it's straight, I mean, it's, just, it's like yeah, it's, it's the you know the ninety degree angle, lock and cock straight up at a ninety degree angle with the barrel pointing down at, at people's toes, yeah. like just unrealistic, crazy. But he's done that in the show. Look it up, Multiple folks. Multiple times. It always bugged me, and it's bugged me since season one. Ask my dad. It, I swear to God, I'm like, why is he holding his guns like that? Like, is that Andrew Lincoln just being weird, or like, are they telling him to do that? Because it bugged me. That it, it, it's terrible. He's English. Maybe they don't deal with a lot of guns. You know, he's, well, he's mean, a Brit, so maybe they, you know. Handguns are illegal in London, so I mean, I guess they're not really around him a lot. You think that they'd have a consultant though? Like, why are you holding your gun like that, man? You got to you know, why? You pull? I don't know why he's. They filmed this in freaking Atlanta. They filmed this in Georgia. There are gun-loving nuts out there. Why has nobody told him to, like, you know... Anyway, I digress. Um, so, yeah, Gert, like, goes on this crazy, like, road trip through Imageland yeah. to find the partners. She goes through um, Southern Bastards. She goes East of West. She goes through Black Science. She goes through uh, Southern Bastards oh, again. Southern Bastards. Which is awesome. She, like, meets Boss Hog. But at its core, right, this is a roast, of yeah. Image Comics. This is really kind of, in ways, cutting right to the to the bone here of how he how Scotty Young makes fun of these comics. Like East of West, I don't kind of understand it. It's very complicated. Gertie jokes about that here, right? Like nobody gets this land and just kind of like is constantly roasting and picking on and making fun of like every Image comic. Like even when Invincible's flying over, he just looks yeah. goofy, right? Yeah. There was a part where he, where he says like. Um, whoever's narrating or giving her these directions saying like walk around the city a little bit to find Tony Chu I mean you don't really have to walk around we just need a panel so that we can show more characters <laughs> yeah, um, break the fourth wall yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah you see Invincible flying through the air um, you see Tony Chu which I'm reading right now I freaking love Chu and they totally make fun of it it's yeah. hysterical um, you get you get paper girls um, yeah, you get the, um, yeah. Motor, girl. motor girl yeah we get motor girl you get um oh what's um oh, yes, uh, that's Tim twenty one Tim twenty one from um 
crap, Descender. Descender. Yeah, from Descender. With with the, yeah, with a little robot dog. And, She's ultimately punching. Yeah. She's ultimately punching and killing and making fun of everyone in the image world. Like, no holds barred here. Like, there, there was Witchblade in this. I thought that was awesome. Witchblade in um, the Darkness. Yeah. Um, it's Savage Dragon, and, and she murders. She brutally murders everybody in this room. Um, yeah, and and it was just it was a '90s like '90s themed kill fest, and she just like destroyed everybody. Um, yeah, there's the darkness. Yeah, I love that. There's a two page splash in this. It's just it's beautiful. I it, they have to put this in a poster because she's ultimately killing. Everyone from Savage Dragon to to characters that were done in the 90s through Image to characters in Saga. It's just everyone is there. and She's murdering, axe killing, bazooka destroying, rockets. It's just so much fun. It's... I, I was I was surprised at a few of these panels where they really make where Scotty Young really makes fun of some of these things like the Rick Spawn. stuff. Yeah, Spawn is here ultimately, and they're kind of they're, you know he said that she's he's looking for a sidekick. Maybe she could be that, but yeah, that doesn't turn out so well for Spawn either. Like she's just killing everyone, and when she reaches the room of the image founders and creators, the partners room, uh, you got to read it. It's just yeah, great. I, I can't. I mean, even if I mean, you do have to be a little inside the image world, right? You have to have read yeah. some of the image comics, understand who the, some of the creators are. Robert Kirkman's in this, yeah, and you briefly. know, yeah, briefly is all Tom we'll say. McFarland, was, McFarland, yeah. but it's so much fun. I've read it four or five times. There is a, a just even a sketchbook sort of area in the back with just random sort of Scotty Young drawings of of Gert destroying and killing and axe murdering things. And for free comic book day, this is also very hard to get. I mean, I've, I've even searched for it online afterwards. It's really not anywhere. It's not on Comixology. Uh, it's not through anywhere. Um, through any of the press solicitations from Image, it's, it's nowhere. You had to have got it in free comic book day. I see some of them on eBay. It's overpriced. But all that, anyway, it's a testament to it. You have to find it on paper. Go get it. It's worth it. Uh, I had to go to a, a, my second shop for free comic book day. First one didn't have it. The second one actually had. I got the last copy, so it's sort of hard to find out there. But it's worth it. That's very much a testament to I hate image one shot here from Scotty Young. Glorious, absolutely, made me laugh out loud. I'll never forget when I saw you read I when you, when you read I hate Fairyland for the first time, you really cracked up and laughed out loud like five six times. And you did that here too. You were laughing. I saw yeah, you. It was great. You know, I loved this issue. This was great. Um, hands down, best cop free comic book day book I've ever read. Yeah. Um, it was it was fun. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that pretty much wraps it up, right? That's that's the end. We thank you very much. That's that'll do it. That's all of our new comic book recommendations this week for new comic book day May tenth. So please go to a local comic book sh- shop and buy these immediately, or find the free free one, the free comic book day. I hate image. And please just walk in, tell them Chris and Justin from Sunspots Comics sent you, and buy these eleven immediately. It's totally worth it. If you have any questions, comments, or you'd like a personal comic book recommendation, please email us directly at either Chris or Justin at sunspotscomics.com. If we choose your email, read it and discuss it on a podcast, we'll send you a free comic book prize just from us to say thank you. And also, please sign up for our email newsletter at sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And please tune in next week for issue 106 of the, the podcast. Or we'll be leading, reading a list of, I think it's 24, 24 comics um, for New Comic Book Day on May 17th, right? May 17th. Um, there's five new number ones that are coming out. Um, I want to check out that they're, they're super awesome. Um, 
uh, I yeah, just a quick peek, a quick peek into some of the awesome comic books coming out for podcast number one hundred and seven. For May 17th, just to give you a little glimpse, Batman 23. We can't wait for that. Awesome. I freaking love the Batman right now. I love it. Uh, Birthright 24 is coming out next week. Cave Carson, Cybernetic Eyes coming to a wrap-up. Issue number eight, Curse Words, which is weird. Daredevil, one of the best Marvel ones here. This is the story behind Daredevil's secret identity is revealed in Daredevil issue number 20. Uh, Eclipse number seven. Remember that weird one, oh, no. Eleanor and Egret? That that one's back issue number two. Just to name a few. God Country. God is Country. This the last one? Is this the last one of God Country? Yeah, I think it is. Look next week. And Invincible number is one thirty-six. This is gonna be a great week. I will be here. Um, <laughs> hell or high water. No voice or voice. I'm gonna go rest and not talk for a week until next week. <laughs> there you go. Save it up. For the next podcast so please tune in next week it's going to be a great podcast and of course uh just if you subscribe you never have to worry about missing anything hit us up and if you really enjoyed the podcast and you want to give back a little something to saying thank you just subscribe to us go to itunes give us a five-star review and a nice little positive blurb we'll personally thank you we'll read it here on a podcast and thank you uh out loud here on the podcast and we're going to leave you with the wise words of course from peter parker's uncle ben say it jables With your graveliness, Mr. Chris Stapleton. With great power comes great responsibility. And we all have that power, folks, within us. So don't forget to also be water, my friends. So we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. Thank you very much. See you next week. Thanks, Jables. Oh, you are welcome. (laughs) I'm going to go rest. (laughs) You're welcome. See you later. I'm going to go take multiple meds right now. I'm going to go into a drug coma. (laughs) And then I'll wake up and read all the comics. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah, enough said. Well, thank you very much. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Comics now.